The Women Like You podcast would like to acknowledge Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as the traditional owners of the land we walk on. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Hello and welcome to Women Like You, the podcast for women who hate working out but know they should. I'm Gab, I'm an audio producer and journalist. And I'm Sarah, I'm a GP and I work in fertility and women's health. It has been a lifetime of trial and error and lots of false starts, but we've recently figured out a way to create a regular exercise habit and stick to it. As a doctor, I'm big on health outcomes and when it comes to exercising regularly, it can really help to reframe your why. Yeah, if you're focusing on the way you look and fixing your wobbly bits, it's very easy to feel disheartened and give up when you don't see the results after a few weeks of exercise. <laughs> wobbly bits. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but, but if you shift your mindset, reframe why you're exercising and focus on the many health benefits, it can really help you stick with it. Yeah, which is always the biggest challenge for exercise sloths like us who absolutely prefer chilling on the couch to getting gross and sweaty doing a workout. So on this episode, weights versus cardio. Which one will make you lose weight faster? (laughs) That will absolutely... Hands down, never be something we ever talk about on this podcast. Not on my podcast, baby. (laughs) So we'll weigh up the health benefits of each and why you don't have to be one or the other. And a little bit of both is what we're aiming for. Ooh, weights and cardio. Mm. Uh, We also have some very exciting news. We have a website. Woohoo! Do some kind of da 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 da. Yes, and you, because we have a website, you can now subscribe to our newsletter via a delicious function on said website. You can just fill out your first name and your email address and hit subscribe, and it's as simple as that. You don't have to email us anymore to get added to to the subscriber list. You can just do it of your own volition. Um, so you might want to grab a pen and pencil because this is probably going to be difficult for you to remember. <laughs> Sarah, would you do the honours of uh, our website name? Womenlikeyoupodcast.com. Dot com. We got the dot com. Um, and huge shout outs to my brother-in-law and one of your dear one friends. One of my absolute best mates. Farron Camilleri. He set this up for us. Uh, just, you know, shout out to Faz if, if anyone needs a website done. Faz is your guy. Um, yeah. So womenlikeyoupodcast.com is where you need to go. And, you know, if, if you needed any other kind of encouragement for why you should subscribe to our weekly newsletter, um, I just want to read you a little excerpt from something that Sarah penned and sent Aww. to our Wiley followers. I absolutely loved it so much. It gave me goosebumps and it made me, it reminded me yet again for the billionth time why I love you so much and why I love the way you phrase things and put words together. Can I, re- can I be, can I embarrass you and read? I really, really enjoy yeah, I'll okay. do it. Do okay. it. I, okay. I love writing this. I love writing this newsletter. Okay. So, good. yeah, good. if anybody wants to read it, that'd be a real bonus. Yeah. <laughs> Preferably if someone reads it, that's well, I do. I read it. Instead of, all right. It's like, dear diary. Um, <laughs> is anybody listening? Go ahead. Cool. Um, all right. This is from our newsletter last week, uh, which was in reference to our episode about, you know, embracing the beach bod. You already have a beach bod, you know, summer bodies are not a thing. Get out there, start swimming, enjoy. 
we want you to start visualising how wonderful the beach, pool or watering hole can be, how freaking delightful it is to feel the sand between your toes, how glorious it is to feel your body effortlessly suspended in salty water, how restorative the feeling of sunshine on your SPF protected skin can feel. I love the little doctor note in there. Um, Now, (laughs) imagine the people you love the most in the world right by your side. Visualize building epic sandcastles with your kids, racing your spouse to the other end of the pool in a winner-takes-all swim-off, reclining like the goddess you are in a giant inflatable unicorn pool float, sipping Aperol spritz with your best friend. I assume that's going to be you and I. Um, Yeah. handing (laughs) Handing down the rules of Marco Polo to your nieces and nephews, pool noodles sandwiched between your legs, playing beach cricket with your family, hoping you get to field from the ocean because it's way more fun than running on the sand. None of these people care what you look like in bathers, literally not one. And if they do, well, I guess they're the ones with the work to do, not you. Oh, mwah. heaven. Mwah. So good. So good. I love when you read things. <laughs> you should. I love when you if write we things. Ever, if we ever write a book, you'll have to do the, uh, you'll have to do the audio. If we ever write the- a book. Oh, we are absolutely writing a book and we'll do the audio together because I love when you read things. Um, I also got a text from my sister-in-law, Elle, who I know I haven't spoken about for a few episodes now. So, you know, welcome back to the podcast, Elle. And I know that that you'll be listening to this. She sent me a text message after last week's episode. She said, I was listening to your podcast on my headphones while at Pottery and snorted at the image of Dom, which is my brother, Elle's husband, who I spoke about in last week's episode, at the image of Dom emerging from a pool change room traumatised by the nude old dudes. (laughs) And then I had to repeatedly laugh afterwards so that no one thought I'd done a fart. (laughs) Uh, And that is the last time that Elle texts you. Ah, she'll be right. She'll be oh, right. that's so good. It's in response was, to your amazing uh, quote about was, embracing your 74-year-old man. I said it before, I'll say it again. Embrace your inner old man when you're at the beach. <laughs> <sighs> All right, weights versus let's, cardio. Let's get stuck into it. Let's get in. So um, a couple of months ago now, we put together a little Wiley survey uh, for our Wiley followers to answer a few questions just so we could kind of get a sense of you know, the types of exercise you do when you do do it, um, you know, things that prevent you from exercising regularly or, you know, just a whole bunch of questions. And one of the questions we asked was, what type of exercise do you mostly do? Now, 42%, which isn't really surprising, 42% said cardio, 21% said strength training, so pretty much half uh, said strength training, like body weight exercises, weight training, that kind of thing. And another 21% said a combination of both. Uh, Now, the current health guidelines, which, you know, is available on the Australian Government Department of Health website, the current health recommendations for being sufficiently active, sufficiently active, (laughs) is that you do a combination of weights and cardio. So the recommendation is a minimum of 150 to 300 minutes of moderate exercise a week, which equals about 22 to 42 minutes of walking a day. But there's also a recommendation for two muscle strengthening sessions a week, and that is weights, resistance training, body weight exercises, you know, things like push-ups, sit-ups, squats, um, and also yoga and Pilates falls under muscle strengthening sessions. Mm. So, you know, the current health guidelines are saying 
A little bit of both. Bit but of both. We wanted to kind of dig a bit further into that. And I don't think that this will come as a surprise to you, but yeah, I'm a massive proponent of doing both some cardio and some weights training because there are absolutely benefits in doing a bit of both. Which is interesting because I like the 42% of the Wiley people, you know, Wiley women we surveyed, um, I always did cardio. I, I kind of grew up doing cardio, swimming, running, um, you know, any kind of sport activity at school was cardio. Mm. I didn't really even think about weights until either late teens, probably actually early early 20s when it started to become apparent that you could do weights and that you wouldn't bulk up and be massive. Bulk up. Like, yeah, yeah. That was going to be a, not that that would be a problem even if it did happen, but it doesn't. It absolutely doesn't happen. But yeah, it's 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 interesting um, that now that conversation is really shifting that we we have to start kind of incorporating something that we've yeah. not really done as much of. And well, see, for me, because I just uh, in in my slothy days, I I hate the the hot, sweaty, flushed red Ugh. face, you know, greasy hair, that whole situation. So I would I was never the cardio girl. Oh, I was really? Much, yeah, I was much more likely to like if I if I ever you know went to the gym one of three times per <laughs> annum. Um, I would, three? Uh, wow, you clocked up three a year. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. okay, yeah. ballsy. <laughs> makes, it, makes it really cost effective. Um, I, would, uh, I would generally, like, I'd, I'd use the, the weight machines and things like that because you weren't going to get hideously red and hot and sweaty. So wow. I would preferentially do weight training over cardio training up until more recently. Oh, that is yeah. amazing. That's, that's incredible to think because, yeah, I was the opposite. I didn't know really how to use any of those machines or that or I went to a gym so infrequently and and usually a lot of the machines are you know just terrifying by, terrifying <laughs> make really loud sounds and also the often the the um the diagram you're like well that doesn't look like anything I can do <laughs> <laughs> how do you actually use this um and then often also surrounded by dudes who never put towels on the machine oh, um, no. before they get on and then they, they stand oh, up and there's just like a sweat <laughs> like and a they'd machine. leave like they they'd leave the weight machines on these like obscenely high yes. like <laughs> high kilogram or high pound weightages and uh and and you just, you know, you go, no, no. And also just they're so loud at the gym and like, like slamming down the weights and clanky. You're like, oh, shut up, shut up, shut up. It's <laughs> probably why, you know, women-only gyms are a thing. Anyway. All right. Well, let's uh, – do you want to get into it? Yeah, some of the health right. benefits of, of both weights and cardio. Before we get into it, I think it's important to know that there's a lot of overlap in the benefits between these two styles of training. Cool. And a lot of the time you're probably already doing some mixed cardio and weight training. I think we think of these as being very separate entities, but you know, from one of our earliest episodes when we discussed the 7-minute workout, like mm-hmm. it's absolutely giving you the benefits of an aerobic workout. So mm-hmm. you're getting the star jumps, the high knee running in place stuff. Ugh, yep. And you're also getting some <laughs> weight and resistance training like the push-ups and the planks. Yep. So I think it, it's not always as sort of diametrically opposed as we think they are. Mm-hmm. And bodyweight exercises are a great entry point for weight training for beginners. So I think, you know, when, like you were saying, you're sort of terrified of those giant machines at the gym and it can be really intimidating, you don't need, like, that's that's not the only way that you can get some weight training or resistance training in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, you know, just good bodyweight exercises are a great beginning point and some simple hand weights are probably a reasonable investment if you do want to 
purchase something to add some weights in, but you can also use stuff around the house as hand weights. Um, you know, a bottle of vino weighs about a kilo. Oh, I could do that. I could lift. Yeah. <laughs> do you lift weights? Nah, I lift vino. No, I lift vino. <laughs> I lift a- so long as you don't <laughs> drop your favourite bottle of wine on your foot or something. Say. But um, no, I lift. I lift a Chardonnay. Uh, I lift a. Um, I do two Chardonnays and a Pinot. <laughs> Pinot. Um, <laughs> Pinot. But you could do you could do some shoulder or some arm exercises using a bottle of wine, and then mm-hmm. boom, pour yourself a glass afterwards. <laughs> now this is the kind of exercise podcast I can get behind. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's get into some of the health benefits of cardio, mm-hmm. and and I guess what we know is cardio. Science calls aerobic exercise, which is really any type of cardiovascular conditioning. It can include things like your brisk walking, swimming, running, cycling, dancing. And by definition, aerobic exercise means with oxygen. So your breathing and your heart rate will increase during aerobic activities. Even though you feel like you are without oxygen when you're doing (laughs) cardio exercise. Exactly. (laughs) But in fact, anaerobic exercise literally means without oxygen. Oh. And uh, and so anaerobic exercise is the process in which you're breaking down glucose without oxygen via a fancy process called glycolysis, which glycolysis. essentially is how glucose is then converted into a product called ATP, which is the fuel that we use for cellular reactions. That the byproduct of that process is lactic acid, I think something we're probably all familiar with, yep. which uh, builds up way more quickly when you're doing anaerobic exercise than aerobic exercise. And it can be very uncomfortable. That's that burning sensation kind of deep in your muscles when you've you've done sprinting or um, you know, a high intensity exercise that you've been doing, you know, if you you know, belt up a, a couple of flights of stairs in a row, at the top of those stairs, you'll feel that burning sensation in your thighs. Lactic acid. Um, so some examples of anaerobic exercise would be, you know, sprinting, your high intensity interval training, as well as more traditional strength and weight training. Because oftentimes if you're reading about, you know, cardio versus weights training, you'll you'll read a bit about aerobic versus anaerobic exercise. So that just mm-hmm. puts that into a little bit of context for you. So how does cardio help? How does how, Why is it good for your health? And by no means is this going to be an exhaustive list because, as you can imagine, exercise is really good for you. Um, that's what they keep banging on about. I guess that's I why know. we're doing this freaking that podcast is in why the first we're doing place. It. <laughs> so, number one on my list is that it can improve your sleep. And, uh, and look, there's been studies that have shown that in as little as four weeks, individuals who have chronic insomnia, who begin regular cardio exercise can fall asleep up to 30 minutes faster and stay asleep for 18 minutes longer. So that's within four weeks of doing some regular exercise. And look, that might not seem like a lot, but that equates to about three and a half extra hours of sleep per week. I think, yeah, I think if you've got chronic insomnia, any improvement feels amazing, (laughs) Exactly. Three and a half hours paid off your sleep debt if you are chronically fatigued and chronically um, lacking in sleep is going to make an enormous mm. difference. I feel like a different human. Yeah, for sure. Uh, number two, improved heart health. I just, this is, to me, this is probably the most important reason to get a little cardio in mm. because aerobic exercise improves your overall aerobic fitness and this results in lowered blood pressure and lowered heart rate. Now, we know that a sedentary lifestyle 
or not being sufficiently active. Sufficiently. Um, it's like, well, it, it's one of the seven major risk factors for cardiovascular disease. So seven major risk factors for cardiovascular disease include high blood pressure, abnormal cholesterol, yep. smoking, mm-hmm. obesity, type 2 diabetes or a family history of heart disease. And so if we can improve your blood pressure yep. and we can improve your heart rate, we are already starting to lower your risk of developing ischemic heart disease. Wow. Okay. And so you're wanting to you're wanting to hit as many of those risk factors as possible, right? Yeah. And some of those are modifiable risk factors, mm-hmm. meaning things that we can change. So if you're a smoker, you can quit smoking and that's going to modify that particular risk factor. Mm-hmm. Some of them are non-modifiable risk factors. You can't change your genetics, really. Yeah. I mean, so, we've, we've both got a family history of heart disease. So exactly. <laughs> nothing so we can that do about one, that. Yeah. No, there's nothing that we can do about that. But becoming less sedentary and becoming more active and increasing the amount of cardiovascular exercise that we do can uh, can improve your cardiac output, which means you'll improve how well your heart pumps. Ooh. Now, this is something you mentioned ischemic heart disease. It's something that you mentioned quite a bit. Um, and as somebody who does have a family history of heart disease, I feel like I should be well-versed in this, but I'm not. What is ischemic heart disease? And it goes by a few names, which is why it becomes a little bit more confusing. So ischemic heart disease, um, we also call it coronary artery disease. You might have, you know, you might have heard it called coronary heart disease or you know, blocked arteries and, and so on. So okay, ischemia yeah. is essentially when you don't have an adequate blood supply to tissue in your body. So ischemic heart disease, therefore, means that you don't have adequate oxygenated blood going to the heart muscle because those blood vessels are narrowed mm-hmm. and and this causes pain. So whenever you're not getting an adequate amount of oxygenated blood to tissue, you will get you will get pain. So if you've got blocked arteries in your legs and you try to increase your activity and you can't get enough oxygenated blood there, you'll get sore legs. Okay. If you've got narrowed coronary arteries and uh, and then particularly if you've got narrowed arteries and you need to increase your cardiac output for some reason and you can't get that extra oxygen to the heart that your heart needs, then you'll start to get chest pain or, or angina. And the narrowing of these arteries is, is it, look, it's multifactorial, but one of the ways that the blood vessels become narrowed is due to abnormally high lipids or, or an abnormal ratio of good cholesterol to bad cholesterol. And we know that aerobic exercise can reduce the bad cholesterol levels in the blood. These are otherwise known as the the LDL or the low density lipoproteins. And well, it can also low low density, low density lipoproteins. Yeah. So well, when I you think hear, when liposuction you, for a second, low density <laughs> liposuction. When you hear doctors talk about good and bad cholesterol, so the 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 good stuff is the HDL, they're the high density lipoproteins. So these are fluffier, kind of fluffier fats that are in the in the bloodstream and don't tend to cause these plaques that harden the arteries and narrow the arteries to the heart. Whereas the low density lipoproteins or bad cholesterol mm-hmm. are the ones that can definitely cause narrowing of these blood vessels and and heart disease. Wow. And we know that aerobic exercise, so getting your cardio in, and we're not talking about, you know, a mad amount of cardio, we're talking about your 22 minutes a day, can have an effect on lowering the bad cholesterol mm-hmm. and increasing the good cholesterol because it's the ratio of these good to bad cholesterol proteins or these sort of these yeah, lipoproteins mm-hmm. that matters. 
This is amazing. So, so, so far you've, you've said improved sleep, improved heart health, uh, and we've just had a little, little, little medical lesson, a little science chat about ischemic <laughs> heart disease, um, ischemic, ischemic heart disease, and uh, and lipids, and uh, and you'll remember when we just went through those um, risk factors for cardiovascular disease or for ischemic heart disease, mm-hmm. diabetes is in and of itself a risk factor. Yep. So we already know because we had a great episode on diabetes where regular cardiovascular exercise or regular cardio exercise, aerobic exercise can help to reduce your elevated insulin levels and help to reverse insulin resistance, which is kind of a precursor to type 2 diabetes. So Mm -hmm. if you want to know a little bit more about that, go back and have a listen to the diabetes episode. And we know that during exercise, your body burns something called glycogen. So this is a form of glucose that is stored in your muscles. And after exercise, your muscles then replenish their glycogen stores with glucose from your bloodstream. So you need some glycogen in your muscles. It's the the energy that you you draw upon when you need to do something quickly and get those muscles kicked into action. Mm -hmm. And if you then do that, you draw glucose out of your bloodstream and, and you don't want high glucose levels in your bloodstream because that's technically what diabetes is. Yep. So you draw it out of your bloodstream and you put it back in your muscles so that you can use it again the next time you exercise. Holy shit. This is amazing. So the more glycogen that you burn during a bout of activity and going for, you know, a good, you know, a decent moderate intensity walk or if you're, you know, if you can kick it up a notch and go for a bit of a jog or or go for a good swim, the more glycogen that's burned during that activity, the longer your body's insulin sensitivity is improved for. Holy shit. This, it just, it's mind-blowing. Get moving, people. Get moving. All right. So then All right. So we're adding so um, that was- type 2 diabetes or diabetes. Uh, well, basically, yeah, yeah. that cardio can reduce elevated insulin levels is number three. What else we got? What else we got? One of your favourite acronyms of all time. Yes. BDNF. BDNF. Oh my so, god, we're going back to we, the BDNF club. I know, I know. This is like we're we are we are hammering home some concepts that we have already covered, but we know that aerobic exercise increases the production of this brain hormone called brain derived neurotrophic factor. Trophy wise, yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> I'm just I'm just chiming in with just useless shit really. <laughs> Just to not throw, at just all. To throw not at all. You're just, you're just making me giggle about that episode again. But this BDNF stuff, mm-hmm. it's really critical for learning and for neuroplasticity. So if you want your, if you want your noggin to work well, and you want to learn new things, and you want to keep your brain nice and plastic, so it can continue to learn new things as you get older, exercise will increase those BDNF levels, and uh, and that's I think we said in that other episode it'll make you smarter. Yes, exercise can make you smarter. Did it just start raining really heavily at yours? It sure did. Yes. We've had we've had planes today. We've had oh, like man. a wild thunderstorm this afternoon and now the weather has been <laughs> epic today. And <laughs> just rain rain pissing down. I love it. <laughs> I love it. All right, number 5 mm-hmm. on my list is that we know that cardio exercise is a great mood booster. Exercise helps with Symptoms of chronic depression and anxiety by increasing serotonin, which mm-hmm. we know helps your brain to regulate your mood, regulate your sleep, regulate your appetite. And as we said before, it also increases that BDNF to help your neurons grow. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and 
We know that exercise helps to limit the effect of stress on your brain by modulating the effect of stress hormones like adrenaline and cortisol. Yep. So it will absolutely have a significant impact on your on your mood. And there are some studies that have shown that it has almost as potent, if not in some cases, as potent an effect on your on your mood, anxiety levels, features of depression that some antidepressant medications can have. And I'm not saying that antidepressant medications don't have a place because they absolutely 100% do. Mm. But if you're just feeling as though your mood's a bit low and you're under a lot of stress and, I don't know, maybe you're living through a global pandemic, <laughs> then yeah, a bit of cardio is a great mood booster. Yeah, I may, and again, not not during usually. Um, it depends on the cardio. You know, if you're going <laughs> yeah. for like a long moderate walk, you know, you chuck on a podcast or a beautiful music playlist or something, definitely, you know, cardio is it can be enjoyable. Cardio, maybe not enjoyable, but it can be, um, you know, it can be an experience. It can mm. you can kind of get that sense of just just a kind of long mental health stress reliever experience. But yeah, and I think if we reframe kind of what we think of as cardio, because one of the reasons why I had always avoided it for so much of my life was because I thought of it as being this horribly intense, sweaty, awful thing to do, mm, like but, aerobics classes or running. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. But getting your twenty-two minutes of a you know a moderate intensity walk in will count as your cardio. And uh, and that's going to it's going to provide you with some of these benefits that a sedentary lifestyle is going to uh, is going to rob you of. Okay, so that's that's cardio, and you've you've outlined some pretty impressive reasons for why cardio is great uh, from a health perspective. Um, so then, yeah, how does how do how do weights weigh up? Not that well, as we said, not that it's a ver- you know this versus that. It's not you know we're not. I was going to say it's going to seem like that because I've got five good points for cardio and only three good points for weight. <laughs> she but has that's... made a choice. <laughs> Some of us may have run out of time. Um, no, no, look, there's one of the reasons for that is that I really wanted to spend a decent amount of time discussing one of the most important benefits to weight training, particularly for women, mm-hmm. and that is its improvement in bone density. So, it's so important for women as we age. Like I think it's pretty much from the age of 40, we're, we're losing bone density every year. I think it's by about 1%, you know, every year. Wow. Um, and, uh, and if we have, you know, if we have low bone density, it means that we are at risk of fractures. And that might not seem like a big deal to you when you're 20 or 30 or maybe even 40. But as you get older, fractures have enormous morbidity. And, uh, and we know that older Older women, especially who have you know hip fractures and and significant fractures, it impacts significantly on the quality of life, and uh, and it in fact it increases their mortality. So, bone density is really really important. We know that numerous studies have shown that strength training can play a role in slowing down bone loss, but there are even now some some really good quality studies that are showing that it can. You know, weight training can help to build new bone. What? And this is tremendously useful to offset that age-related decline in, in bone mass that I was talking about a moment ago. So any activity that will put some stress on the bones can kind of nudge these bone-forming cells into action. And that stress comes from the tugging and pushing on the bone that occurs during strength training. And look, there, it does occur to, to a lesser degree in weight-bearing aerobic exercise like mm-hmm. walking and running. And ultimately, the result of this is stronger, denser bones. So strength training in particular has bone benefits beyond those offered by aerobic weight-bearing exercise. 
And most importantly, when we're talking about the morbidity and mortality that's associated with osteoporosis in in older age, is that weight-bearing exercise targets the bones of the hips, the spine, the wrist, and these are the sites that are most likely to fracture. The other thing that's kind of, look, it's somewhat related to this in a sense, is that regular weight training and resistance training and muscle building training um, improves your balance. And so if you want to avoid falls in the first place, resistance workouts, particularly those that include moves emphasizing kind of power and balance and enhance strength and stability, they will boost your confidence. It can encourage you to stay active as you get older. And yeah, it reduces fractures in that other way by not falling in the first place. Yeah, wow. This is actually blowing my mind a lot. (laughs) And the last thing that I wanted to mention with regards to weight training today was, it sounds very obvious, (laughs) weight training builds muscles. Oh, Um, oh, bulk up, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you bulk up. Get my protein shake and hit the gym. Weight training builds muscle. And what that can do is it can shift your muscle to adipose tissue ratios. So adipose tissue, fat tissue muscle, we know what that is. And if you tip the balance in favour of having slightly less adipose tissue Mm -hmm. and slightly more muscle tissue, then that can also have a really significant impact on reducing the development of metabolic conditions like diabetes. And I think it's it's an important way to to think about that because so often in medicine and and in the world in general, we're we're looking at reducing fat and and trying to you know we're, we're trying to reduce adipose tissue because we know that that excess adipose tissue can have risk factors for conditions like diabetes but just building more muscle can be as as important as reducing fat because it's that ratio of the fat tissue to muscle tissue that's important you've just absolutely blown my mind <laughs> I'm just sitting here going, having this like real existential moment where I'm like, I can't believe I do this podcast with this brilliant woman and she just just nails it every damn week and just keeps bringing these incredible bits of science and medicine and health uh, to this podcast. Like I know how brilliant you are, but it just you continue to blow <laughs> me away. Um, and it's just so it's so important. And I think you know for you and I who I was going to say you might say that. <laughs> You might say these very, very lovely things about me, but I've known this information since I was in medical school. Did that mean that I got off my ass and did exercise <laughs> regularly like I should have? No, because I think we focus still so much on doing exercise for weight loss. For weight loss, yeah. And and not weight loss because you need to reduce your metabolic risk. Weight, loss, weight loss so that you can fit into so a that, bikini, yeah. So that you look better. Yeah. Um, you know, I think even those of us who have been privileged enough to learn this knowledge, it's about putting it into action. So thank you for saying those lovely things about me. But the important thing is that, you know, we we understand why exercise is important and then we actually act on that and get our 22 minutes in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, look, this all comes back to you and I. We The only way that we managed to actually finally do it to do regular exercise was to create a habit and we started small, you know, little two-minute hacks that basically you could do every single day and then build from there. And that's basically how we've managed to do it. Mm. And then also a big part of that has been, I think, um, reframing why we're doing it um, and, and 
yeah, looking at a lot of these reasons. Yeah, reframing why we're doing it and then working out what it is that we actually need to do. Mm. Yeah, because and it's, it's, it's not it's what... often it's, it's often a lot less intimidating than than what we had thought we needed to do in order to to be healthy. Exactly. Oh, smashed it. Smashed it. The Women Like You podcast is produced by me, Gab Burke, and music is by Hamish Camilleri. Thank you for listening and sharing our little pod. You can follow us on socials. Just search for Women Like You podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And as we mentioned at the start of the episode, you can subscribe to our weekly newsletter at our brand spanking new website, womenlikeyoupodcast.com. Head there, punch your details in, subscribe. I'm Sarah. And I'm Gab. And next episode, hey, have you ever cried during exercise? Cried. And I'm not just Yeah, I'm not just talking because you hated it so much and it was bloody awful, but that weird kind of emotional response that kicks in after a decent workout. Or during a decent workout. Uh, yeah, I cry all the time. It's the weirdest thing. <laughs> I, it's, it's happened to me a few times and it's totally snuck up on me and I was like, what is happening? Yes. Yes, like I had yeah. legitimately gone for a run and all of a sudden found myself crying and there was no reason why I, I was sad or anything prior to the run. I was actually in a good mood, quite happy. Tears. Oh. <laughs> why so is it, this? <laughs> so it, it turns out it's not just you and I. Oh, okay. And, uh, and yeah, let's dig into it next week. Cry exercising. Exercising and crying. Cry-a-sizing. cry <laughs> Anyway, you get to your burpees. You're 20 behind. I know. Uh, drop and give me 20. I'm going to go um, open a bottle of wine or do weights with the wine. I just, I feel like I'm just going to open it. Either way, there's Vino involved. <laughs> I, love I love you. you. I love you. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Mwah. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.